Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I, I trained my butt off. I did like Iron Man. I just stay in the middle and just had guys coming in on me on takedowns and takedowns. And I don't care. I was like, I couldn't barely pick myself up. I wanted to be in top physical shape. I was telling myself, okay, these guys are going to beat me. They're going to go through a living hell to beat me. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. The Wrestling Changed My Life podcast is back. I'm your host, Ryan Warner. Thank you for tuning in today. My guest, ladies and gentlemen, is Joe Gonzalez, the great Joe Gonzalez, the pride of California, national champion, Olympian, Tbilisi champion. He was only the seventh American to win the Tbilisi tournament, which uh, still takes place. But back in the day, it was in the heart of the Soviet Union, the toughest tournament in the world to win. Joe won it. So this guy's been around the block. He also spent the summer of 1979 living and training with the Japanese national team. So really uh, just a, a world of experience for Joe Gonzalez. And I can't wait to take you to the interview. But before we do, you know what time it is. Fan of the week time. This week's fan of the week is Mark Garcia, originally hailing from Willingboro, New Jersey, now fighting out of Southern California. Really appreciate all the support, Mark. Thank you for making this interview happen. Uh, one of the many people who helped make this interview happen. So thank you very much. Keep on listening, baby. We appreciate it. Folks, if you want to support the show, please go to our online store, store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. That's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. And that's it, folks. Let's get to the interview with Joe Gonzalez. Peace! The great Joe Gonzalez. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm okay, you know, uh, trying to survive this whole COVID thing that's going on with us in the United States and the whole world, but... <laughs> It stinks. I hate it. It's so yeah. annoying. But uh, all right, we're going to start here. Summer of 1979, you head to Japan to work out with your hero, Takata. How did that trip happen? How did you get to Japan? Um, it first started off, uh, they, they brought an all-star college team uh, to California. And I got called to wrestle. Uh, his name was Fujisawa. He was a silver medalist. Um, to wrestle against him at, at UC Davis. And so I went up there and wrestled and um, I beat him. 
And so the Japanese coach came up to me and we just started talking, you know, and wanted to know who I was, you know, my name and who I was and blah, blah, blah. And he says, you should come to Japan and train. I said, are you kidding me? And he goes, yeah. And so, um, so I took him up on it. Um, so that summer of, uh, I want to say 79. Yes. I, um, I sold, I was, you know, I was living in an apartment with all my other teammates and I just, you know, sold my stereo system, all kinds of stuff, you know, living as a, as a, as a college student, you know, you're not, you don't have a lot of uh, valuable stuff. And so I got rid of it and um, I had some donations and I, you know, paid my way um, to, uh, to Japan. I just paid for the flight and the coach took everything, took care of me. You know, he introduced me to Takara, Tomiyama. Um, I got to stay with, uh, besides this college coaches uh, at his college, I got to stay at three other different colleges and work out with these, you know, these world best. So that's how it, I got to train with these guys and kind of learn their technique. You could say I was kind of a spy in the sense, the way I look at it, because when I came back, all the stuff I I learned, you know, I taught it to Tim Vanny and John Azevedo and Jesse Reyes and all my teammates, you know, this is what they taught me. So it was quite an experience. Um, I don't think anyone, not too many people are able to do that in their life. And that's in anything, you know, it doesn't have to be wrestling. Um, you know, go over there and, and um, learn from them and learn their culture and, you know, the way of life. So um, it was a good experience for me. How long were you over there for? Um, I want to say almost three months. Months? Three, yeah, yeah, close to that. Because I remember uh, 79, the 79 school year in college, soon it was over, I was gone. I took off. And I want to say that was probably in May. You know, um, so let's see, May, June, July, and I think school, the – the seventy nine eighty season uh, started like you know college usually starts kind of in August, the middle of August at least for us. So I want to say I was there, you know, that long. Um, and I've been there actually five. Let's see, before that, I want to say I was there. I went in high school on a culture exchange trip, and I spent a month there. Okay. It was kind of like the California All-Stars, and we all went over there. And then, um, and then you know, then I went, I went to Japan the, the, the time to train with these guys. And then um, they had a tournament with their, one time. I forgot what the tournament was called, so I went there at that time. And then um, I went back to Japan actually again. Uh, I want to say during uh, 1988, I went there for only a month and trained again. And I want to say the last time I was there is when I was done with my wrestling career. Uh, my wife and I, you know, were traveling and, you know, one place I chose, let's go to Japan. And um, that was the last time I, I was there. And uh, that was like, I don't know, 2005 or six, I want to say. So, um, so I've been there quite a few times. I plan to go back if I can, you know, I just, I like the food. I like the culture. The people are small like me. So all the clothes fit me perfectly. I don't have to get them tailored. 
you know? <laughs> so Now, what's the, we all want to know, take us inside the, the Japanese school of wrestling. How is their practice in their whole school of wrestling different than the U.S.? Um, well, I want to say, if anyone knows about Japanese culture, it, everything has to start with respect. So the older you are, it doesn't even have to be in wrestling, just, you know, in general, in their culture, the older you are, the more respect you have. I mean, you could be 80 years old and, and basically have dementia, but you still have that respect. Mm. And I learned that right off the bat when I got there. But I kind of already, I already kind of knew that um, to begin with. Because where I grew up in, it's kind of sort of as a multi-pot where I grew up in, in L.A. And, and, you know, we were, it was just a mixture of all kinds of, of different cultures. And, you know, Japanese culture happened to be there. So having friends that were Japanese, I kind of knew, you know, what to expect. And so, um, and you know what, the coach over there, they, they, can, they can physically hit you. I mean, they walk around with these bamboo sticks or kendo sticks, I would call them. And if you got taken down, they'd come up to you and just whack you on the head and kick you in the face. It was pretty brutal, actually. I don't know if it still goes on, okay? Um, but back then, yes, it was, it was that's the difference. <laughs> you know, um, they could come up and slap you. I seen it with some of the, you know, the wrestlers that they had that, you know, they got taken down or they felt like they weren't giving their 110% in practice. Uh, the coach would come up to them, just slap them around. And I, I'd imagine he got, he got cursed out in Japanese. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, his voice went really high, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, so, um, um, so that's, you know, I want to see that's only diff really difference. We train just as hard as they do. You know, tw uh, twice a day they train. Um, I want to say it's a little more organized, uh, whereas, you know, at, at least at Cal State, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, we did our warm-ups. We kind of did our drilling on our own and just started wrestling hard. You know, with them, it was a little different. We did, we did, a, we did a, like almost 45 minutes to an hour of warm-ups. I mean, you were, you already gone through two, two T-shirts of sweat. Okay, and now you're putting your third one, and now you're going to go practice matches. And they would go practice matches, a lot of practice matches. And what I mean by that, they would actually go the, the time of a, of a real match. And they go like maybe five or six, um, excuse me, uh, practice matches. Where I, I want to say like in the Cal State room and some of the training camps I've been in the U.S., we just kind of grab a guy. And, okay, you got like 10-minute goes or grind matches or whatever you want to call them. You know, the, and you just kind of went takedowns. Well, over there was just like a straight on match. You know, you took them down, you try to turn them. You couldn't turn them in like 15, 20 seconds. You go back on your feet. So, mm -hmm. so that's, you know, that was kind of the difference I noticed when I was over there, you know, um, you know, and I had the best of both worlds besides learning sort of that, the, the technique from like, uh, you know, some of the best in Japan, I learned a lot of technique from the United States too, you know, with, with a lot of the, my teammates and, you know, being on a couple of world teams and learning from those guys, especially like Dave Schultz, you know, he was, you know, he's a California boy and I known him since high school. And, you know, I, I drilled with that guy and it's like, it was like, it, 
I hated drilling with that guy because every time I say I did a, a double leg, it was like running into a, a bunch of bolts, you know, just my whole shoulder, my head would just be killing me. You know, this guy, he just, he was, he had such good position. It was, it was great. And that's when you were wrestling Schultz? No, I'd be drilling with him. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's what I thought. Yeah. He was always a weight class above me. We were on the Californian, uh, I guess California, California, uh, state team. And we used to go to the, back then it was, uh, it was the United States wrestling federation that had the high school mm-hmm. nationals back in, this is back in the, you know, the seventies at that old, uh, field house at the university of Iowa. And so I would drill with him all the time, you know, or he'll ask me, you know, and, uh, yeah, he, you know, drilling with him was just, <laughs> you know, he would ask me like, how did you do this? And I would ask him, well, how do you do this? So, you know, it was, it was a great experience and I felt honored to uh, learn from this guy, you know, Dave. And I wanted to ask you on this, on that topic, you've said before that it's really a science of wrestling versus, a, you know, a strength and a, and a grind type thing. You thought it was way more of a, a science. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I wanted, I, I learned it from, from my old, uh, like uh, we could call it some, my early days in, in, you know, when I started wrestling, the coaches I had, um, they kind of opened, when I got into wrestling, uh, I had a coach that he never wrestled before. He was basically the head football coach, but, you know, he coached wrestling, which a lot of, uh, you know, coaches do. And, and he kind of taught from a book and, you know, and, and, um, I heard uh, through another teammate today, you know, the junior college uh, in, in uh, down the street is open, has an open wrestling room. So I started, you know, I started showing up there in the evenings and it was just kind of open wrestling. Everyone showed up from the neighborhood and just grabbed a partner and just started wrestling. And there was three coaches in there. And, um, you know, I, I would pick their brain. Um, and they, they're ones that open up the, the scientific approach, you know, it's just amazing. Like, and if, you know, I, you wrestled before and it's like, when you do, do a perfect setup and you hit that takedown and you hit it so perfectly that your opponent just goes, boom, falls, falls right to the mat and you score your points. It was like effortless. You're like, no, no must, you didn't use any, hardly any muscle except for the setup. That's what I mean. It's like down to a science. It just... You know, you, you set him up, you set him up, you know, he goes for the, the setup and you hit, you hit your shot or whatever. And it's just, you know, it, it, they, they go down. <laughs> what can I say? So to me, that was like the science of, of it. And then, and then the other approach was the science of losing weight and cutting weight and the way we trained. I, I think even now it's more down to a science now that I noticed than, um, than when I was wrestling. And, you know, because, you know, Dan Gable was the man back then. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, we caught, we cut a lot of weight. Um, we kind of just powered through our, if our buddy, you know, we, there was no such thing as overtraining. You just powered through it, you know, mental toughness, you know, and now, now that I see a lot of the, you know, the coaches, these guys that are like Zeke Jones and, you know, all these guys that are, more how do you say it more to the science i guess you know they know when to back off and put the pressure on their wrestlers and stuff like that so that's so that's kind of down to a science now 
that I've noticed. But I kind of been out of the sport for a long time. And, you know, it's just what I kind of read, what I see, uh, talking to teammates and friends that are still involved in the sport, you know, so. Well, speaking of. I think that's with every sport now that I've noticed. Well, yeah, I think of like programs like Cornell where they've done away with the 6 a.m. run. They want their guys to get sleep. So they're really taking a a science-based approach to it. But you just mentioned weight cutting, and I have to ask, I read at one point in high school, you did like a four-day stint of not eating, and the day after the weigh-in, you were up to 148. Tell us that story. Oh, jeez. That was, that, was, that was a nightmare for me. Um, again, you know. What were you starting um, at? What were you cutting to? Uh, I was wrestling 115. I was cutting to 105. Okay. Um, and I was already cutting, I don't know. I, I didn't have a lot of body fat. I was just, I was a senior, well, let's see, a junior in high school. I think my average weight was about 130 and I cut down to 115. Wow. And then uh, the coach says, Hey, you, you know, if you want to make it to state, you got to go down to 105. Okay. Where, you know, wh- whatever the coach said, you know, was, was, you know, you'd listen to your coach back then, you know, you didn't question them. That's, that's old school respect right there. Okay. And so, um, and so I, uh, I cut down 105. I was, I was basically starving myself. I was, I look like, I look like death on a cracker, you know? Um, and I made the weight. And after that, I just went crazy. I mean, I just blew a gasket. I was just eating like constantly, like 24 hours, just, I went to bed with a big salad bowl. I had ice cream. I had cornflakes. I had, I had uh, chocolate syrup on my belly, and I'm just like feeding myself. And the next morning, I woke up, and my eyes were all swollen and like almost swollen shut. I mean, I just I felt all you know pudgy and everything. And and um, so I looked in the mirror and I go, "Holy crap! What did I do? My, what did I do to myself?" And <laughs> So I went on the scale and I, I, from 105, I went to 148 within 24 hours. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. Yeah. And to be, you know, you were already cutting 15 to get to 114 anyway. Like you said, you were weighing 130. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's a drastic cut. And, you know, in high school, I, I was surprised to see that you had never won a state title. And in fact, your senior year, you suffered a, a concussion and wasn't able to even wrestle at the state tournament. Is that right? Uh, yes, it was, uh, you know, I won, I, you know, like, like we have our sections. So, you know, all, all, and then we have our leagues. So everything starts off with leagues, you know, your league champion. And then from there you go to the sections. And then from there you go to the state tournament, kind of like that. And, and so I won my league and during just a, a tr- you know, practice, I was working out with a guy who was just a little bigger than me. and. Um, and this is what they tell me, because to this day, I don't remember. I, I, re, I, I had a full-blown head concussion, and I had amnesia. So to this day, I don't remember anything, uh, or, or at least on that day, what happened. They said I shot in, and the guy uh, uh, put a whizzer and just whizzered me really down hard, and my, you know, and my head went right into the mat, but I kept wrestling. And for at least a couple more minutes after that, and after that, we kind of – took a break and I went outside and got some water. And this is, this is what people, this is what my teammates had told me what I was doing. I came back in and I started asking like, Hey, what day is this? You know? um, And my coach said, okay, this is, you know, this day. And like, 
two minutes later, what day is this? You know, and he said, Joe, this is, you know, I don't know the, the date. Okay, five minutes later, same thing. What day is this, coach? He says, oh, something's wrong with you. So they took him to the emergency. They did a, you know, I guess a CAT scan or whatever they do back back then. And they said, yeah, you have a flu, uh, full-blown head concussion. I was throwing up. Um, my parents had to watch, make sure I didn't, like, you know, check on me when I fell asleep. And so, um, and the doctor says, hey, you're, 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 and this is before our section tournament. And um, doc says, you're done. Your wrestling career is over. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. You know, I'm going to power through it. I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So the next day I wake up and I start running. Oh, what a big mistake. I started throwing up again. I had, a, I thought my, my eyeballs were going to pop out of my head. So if anyone's ever had a concussion, they know what I'm talking about. So I knew, I knew my season was over. It was, it was, the doctor was right. You know, um, uh, that year, that year, uh, John Azevedo won the state title at the same weight class I was at. Um, I don't know if I would have ever wrestled them or met in the finals, you know, who's to say it has always remained to be seen. And then later on in life, we land up being teammates and workout partners. You know, we would always like tease each other. Like, Oh, John, I would have beaten you. Oh no, Joel, I would have beaten you, blah, blah, blah. You know? Um, but, um, so yeah, I never, I never made it to the state tournament, you know, and I was really, I was really, uh, bummed out. I was just like, Oh, I hate wrestling. It's not worth it. You know, every time I start getting a little better, boom, something happens to me. I have this bad luck. But for some reason, my coach talked me in and says, hey, Joe, you're never a state champion, but maybe you can be a high school national champion. And it was my senior year. Okay, the wrestling season's over. Your senior year, you want to go to the prom. You want to go to grad night. You want to do all the stuff the seniors do. And I thought, you know what? I'll take this chance again. You know, I'll make the sacrifice. I'm not going to go any of that stuff. I'm going to go to these freestyle tournaments, and I'm going to train my butt off if I wasn't a state champion, maybe I could be a high school state, uh, high school national champion. So anyway, um, so I go to the state qualifying tournament. I make the team. And that's the same team that me and Dave Schultz were on. Okay. So we go, go back to Iowa City. Make a long story short, um, I win the tournament. I get a standing wrestler. I pretty much, you know, beat it. You know, I think the closest match I had was in the – in the finals, I want to say the score was like 8-2 or 7-2 against a guy, a wrestler from New York named Mark Acrevalli. And I think he landed up wrestling at Syracuse. Mm. So, you know, uh, I was never a state, California state champion. I was, uh, you know, I was maybe something better. I was a high school national champion, you know. I, I just tell people I was a late bloomer. I didn't mm -hmm. do anything in high school and college. It seemed like I started coming on. And I think it's because I was... I was greedy. I was still hungry to do something in wrestling. Um, I made it my lifestyle. You know, I just wanted, I just, that's all I dreamt about was just, you know, being an Olympic champion, a national champion, a state champion, world champion. Um, I put my life on hold for almost 20 years to try to achieve that goal. So, you know, you could say I, I played catch up on a lot of these other wrestlers that when I got in college, you know, I already, I, I only had wrestled four years in high school where some of these other wrestlers that were in college had already been wrestling since they were in, you know, middle school. And I didn't start wrestling until I was a freshman in high school. 
So, Where did that drive come from for you then? I, I, don't, I don't know how to ex- explain it. I mean, I mean, my parents always taught me a, a, from an early age a very hard worth ethic. You know, in order to achieve something, you got to work hard at it, you know. And, and um, you know, my dad, you know, he had me working on, on weekends with him. He had side jobs. And, uh, you know, I was like in elementary and junior high. And, you know, Saturday morning, you want to sleep in, you want to watch cartoons, kind of hang out in bed. No, this, my dad had me up at like at 530 in the morning doing these jobs with him. And he used to tell me, he goes, hey, son, you know, um, he goes, I want you to go to college and get an education so you don't have to work your butt off like I am. He goes, I want you to learn what hard work is, and I don't want you to be afraid of it. Okay, so as far as that hard work ethic, I, I already had it instilled with my parents. Now, as far as the desire to just like try, I don't know how to explain it. I just, <laughs> I figured, you know what? I didn't want to be the average Joe Blow in society. You know, they go through life, they get married, they have kids, you know, and you have family functions, and, and that's what I'm doing now. You know, I wanted to do something in life, just be something a little out of the ordinary, you know, maybe, you know, just, you know, maybe be an Olympic champion or world champion, you know, I, I just, that's all, that's all I lived for at that time. You know, I'm with you though. I, the, the notion of, uh, and the people who are listening who have a nine to five, nothing wrong with that, but that kind of like middle, you know, middle of the road, you're not pushing yourself too far. That just seems like a slow death to me, you know? And so you seem like you sense that as well at a young age. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I thank my parents for instilling that in me. Um, and I still use it, you know, aside from what I learned from, you know, from wrestling, um, you know, it's, it's, a. I have different challenges now, you know, um, but, uh, it's, it's still the same. I, I look at it still the same. Yeah. Now you got to wrestle for one of the most, uh, I just call him fascinating because Joe C is just every time I research him, read about him, talk to former wrestlers, he just seems like a fascinating guy in the sense that he really allowed assistants to have a lot of influence and practices were Kendall cross calls. Joe C practices like a workshop where you would come in and it was more about individual attention. And one group might be doing something different than the other group. What, when you think about Joe C and his structure and his philosophy, how would you describe it? Oh, it was very, and I think it, 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 it was very loose in the sense that, well, I'm just saying, I don't know how he was coaching at Oklahoma State, but at Cal State, and you know what, it was a, it was a D2 school back then, a very small school. I mean, when I was there, I think the school population was like 1,200, hmm. you know, 12, 1,200 student population. And I would say half of those were uh, athletes, you know, of different sports. And um, he always seemed to get sort of the scrubs of, of, of wrestling, like guys that, you know, well, like for me, um, you know, I wasn't a state champ. Um, or he got guys that from high school that were like fifth or sixth in the state tournament, but they're still, they were still hungry for more. They, they still had something to accomplish. And I don't know how to describe it, but we were just self self motivated. He just like, 
you know, we just grab a guy and start just beating on each other. You know, we, we didn't do very, very much to get warmed up. We did a lot of drilling, a lot of drilling, a, a ton of drilling. And I think that had come from Joe C. That came from me and John Azevedo. And then Tim Banny came into the system and, you know, Jesse Reyes and, you know, the Questus brothers, you know, we just kind of fed off each other. And, and, um, and we would wrestle like, uh, you know, I mean, you hear from all the other big programs, like, you know, an hour straight, you know, just, 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 just get in there and just start fighting with each other. And, and, um, and you know what, Joe, Joe, Joe would just come in and just like, okay, I want you today and just grab one of us, take us in the corner and beat the crap out of us while the rest of us were, you know, wrestling with our teammates, you know, as practice. He had a, like I said, he had a very loose, loose uh, practice, um, but he had a way to get us motivated. He, he made us believe that, you know, we could be a world champion the way he talked to us. And he talked, he talked at our level because there's coaches that talk down at you or, you know, you have to, you, you, you have to approach them for advice. No, he would come up to you and say, Hey, that was great, Joe. Hey, why don't you, why don't you teach me that? Cause he didn't know everything, you know? So he would say, Joe, show me how you did that. Hmm. You know? And then he says, I want you to show it to the team. So, um, so that's the type of coach he was. Um, but a motivator though, huh? Yes. He was, he, he knew, I mean, I had to say it, but he could talk the panties off a nun. I mean, that's the type <laughs> of guy he was, you know? Now, were you guys just dominating division two at this time? And then you'd go to division ones because you guys. Had yes. Yes. Um, and that, that's another thing about Joe, you know, uh, fortunately back then, and I wish it still was that D three and D two can go to D one, especially that we're dropping all these programs, you know, and it's just watering down the field. And now we're now the D two and D three can't go to D one. Come on. I want to see who's the best. And thank God back then we were, I was able to go. Otherwise I would have never been an NCAA D one champion. And so, um, but he went after, he went after everybody. He, the only time we, we met in a, a, a D two school was maybe a California tournament during the season or the D two nationals, everything else, the duels, or some of the big tournaments um, were all D1 schools. He would go out, he'd schedule anybody at any time, anywhere. That's the way he was. He just, he went after the best. And so I, I never considered myself a D2 wrestler back then. None of us did. We all, we all concentrated on who's the best in D1, you know? Um, so he never made us like, uh, you know, like D2 was like um, degrading or, you know, you're, be you're below, you're, you, you shouldn't be winning a D1 level wrestler because, you know, you're a D2 wrestler. I, I get a kick out of people say that, oh, well, you know, he's, he's a D2 wrestler. You know, what, what, I mean, some of these guys are good. Yeah. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't get it, you know. So are you a two-time D2 champ? Uh, yes. Yes. Gotcha. And for yeah. the peop people who don't know, you wrestled at Cal State Bakersfield in 1979 and 1980. And in 1980, Cal State Bakersfield as a D2 team had two national champs. And 
you guys were really, really competitive, top 10, top 15 team. Um, and I think it just speaks to how tough California is. You got that JUCO system where it's the, the California JUCOs are doing their own thing. They're battling it out. You know, there's a lot of talent in California, as you know. Um, yes, but, you know, you bring up, you bring up another issue, which um, has been bothering me. You know, they, they at the college level in California, it's a dying sport. Yep. Okay. You know, as you know, they just dropped down, uh, dropped Fresno State. They dropped the program Fresno State. Um, the coach from Cal State Bakersfield resigned. Okay, so now they have an interim coach. And I see this as an opportunity for, like, the, the administration at Cal State. So, you know what, let's drop the program. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how Cal Poly is going right now. I know Stanford's at the chopping block right now. And so at the college level, I see it being dropped. Uh, it's a dying sport in California or even the West Coast. Yeah. You know, uh, University of Oregon dropped their program. Uh, Washington State, uh, the University of Washington, uh, Cal State Fullerton. You know, all these schools had programs and now they're being dropped. At the high school level, it's thriving. Huge. At the junior college, junior college level, I want to say there's probably 20 junior colleges in California. I wrestled junior college before I went to at the at um, a four-year college level. And back then, I would say there was close to 50. I could be wrong, but like 50 junior colleges in California. And those guys can compete at the National JUCO. We never went to the National JUCOs. Because we were so competitive in California because we had so many junior colleges, you know. So, um, um, yeah. Yeah, A lot of people don't know that, that the California JUCOs have their own season and it runs in the fall. And then state championships in December. Right. Just California JUCOs, which I think it's it's cool and unique, but I'm with you. Let's let them wrestle at the NJCs. Let's go, you know. Right. Right. So, um, so why did you, before you got to Cal state Bakersfield, you went to East LA college, you were a state champ there at the Juco level. Why did you leave Oklahoma? Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I you know, I like Stan, coach Abel. It was just conflict of styles, you mm. know, in the sense that, you know, Oklahoma, you know, I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but they kind of have their own style, you know, like take them down and kind of ride and ride, you know, you don't let over there, you don't let someone go, you know, take them down and let them go. That's like a, that's a sin, at least back then, this is back in the seventies. And, and, um, and, you know, he, he was always, you know, giving me a hard time. Cause I take him down and let him go, take him down, and let him go, you know? And then I got to a point where like, man, I, I can't, I can't, I, I started losing cause I was just, he was on me so much, you know, about it. And, um, and I just felt like I wasn't, I wasn't getting better. I was getting kind of worse. And, and so, um, you know, I decided, you know, let me, uh, I'm just going to transfer to, you know, I don't want to, you know, I just feel like I can't accomplish my wrestling goals there. So, you know, I transferred to Cal state, you know, after that. And, um, and I, that gave me two more years of eligibility, you know, so, so, Joe, were you the first takedown let him up guy? Because I grew up in Illinois where it's a takedown state. If you go to the Illinois State Tournament, it's takedown cut, takedown cut. But were you the first guy to do that? You know, it's funny you mentioned that because 
Okay, I learned this style. I learned this style. And the reason why I learned it, because my high school coaches, okay, were, they were more into freestyle than collegiate style, okay? So they said, oh, okay, if you want to be a world champion, Olympic champion, they wrestle freestyle. A lot of, lot of, lot of the uh, style is more, you know, on your feet, unless you can turn them or gut wrench them or pin them. So to practice freestyle, let's just work on takedowns. Take them down, let them go. Take them down, let them go. So I started doing that, you know, back in 73, 74, 75. Take them down, let them go. Take them down, let them go. So, um, and then if you could take a guy down to his back, that's just bonus points. That's even better, mm -hmm. you know. And if you can pin him, you pin him. So when I got to Cal State, that was my style. You know, take him down, let him go. Take him down, let him go. Just build up a big lead. You know, take him down, let him go. And then before you know it, they started coming up with this new rule. Uh, what is it? After 15 or 12, they stop the match or it's a tech, you know. Um, so uh, I people say, Joe, you're the one that started the take him down, let him go type of yeah. wrestling style. You know, and I've been doing that since I was in high school. And then I got into college and started doing it. And I did it at East, East Los Angeles Junior College when I was at East LA Wrestling. And I tried to do it at Oklahoma, but, you know, able that able, what are you doing? Get them, keep them down. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, for people who don't know, your senior year of college, 1980, you set the NCAA record both for wins, you were 55 and 0, but also for takedowns, 528. And that just shows the, how prolific you were on your feet back then. Um, so I want to ask you about a couple of tournaments now. So when you won Tbilisi, you were the seventh American to win that tournament. Talk us through that tournament just in your mind and what kind of mental pictures you still have from, from that event. Oh boy. I, I tell everyone says, what's, what's your most memorable experience of wrestling? And that's like, that's gotta be in the top two. Um, um, you know, the, the year before that I took a fourth or a fifth. In, I want to say I took a fifth in the world championships in Yugoslavia. And, um, and then, um, you know, then winter came, came around and, you know, um, they, I was still, you know, the number one guy in my weight class. So they asked me, Hey, do you want to go to, you want to go to tournament in France or you want to go to Tbilisi? And I already wrestled the tournament in France. So I'll go to Tbilisi, you know, and you know, you hear, you hear stories about Tbilisi and it was okay. So my mental, my mental thing, was like, you know what, I'm, I'm a no, I, you know, in the world and I'm nobody in the world in wrestling. I'm just, you know, just some guy from the United States at 114.5 pounds. I got nothing to lose. So I, I trained my butt off. I did like Iron Man. I just stay in the middle and just had guys coming in on me on takedowns and takedowns. And I don't care. I was like, I couldn't barely pick myself up. I wanted to be in top physical shape. I was telling myself, okay, these guys are going to beat me. They're going to go through a living hell to beat me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to, my motors is never going to end. It's just going to go and go and go. So when we get there, we're already uh, a day behind because um, we had like some sort of bomb threat in at JFK. So all of us had to uh, um, get uh, uh, get off the plane and wait for a new plane. So that was like a whole day process. So by the time we get into Tbilisi, it's uh, it's the day before, and I'm like 12 pounds over. You know, in Tbilisi, 
you ever been in Tbilisi uh, back then? It, it's like going into a, watching a black and white movie. You know, I don't know. I, I was raised on black and white movies, you know, and now they got all this Technicolor and Cinemax and all this. And it was like going from, you know, a colored movie to a black and white movie. Why do you say that? Just, just the whole environment, the whole city, the colors, the expressions of people on their faces. Ugh. And, uh, you know, I'm from Southern Cal. Come on, I'm a Southern cowboy. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm in there and it's freezing cold. You know, and I had, you know, uh, you know, Randy Lewis was, you know, from Iowa. And he's, oh, man, Gonzo, this is like sunshine. Are you kidding me? I was just like, you know, thermal underwear and down jackets and mittens and gloves. And and I, I remember running the streets all night to make weight. I was miserable. I was miserable. And I, I would be like one of the last ones to make weight, you know, like, you know, 15 minutes left to go before they shut down the scale in Tbilisi. And back then it was a three-day tournament. And um, so I was always the last one to make way, one of the last ones. And I don't know. I just, it was just like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like I had tunnel vision. My first match, I, I draw the Mongolian. He was a bronze medalist in the world chap, uh, championships bef uh, the year before. And I, 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 I beat them and I, you know, wrestled like Hungarians, uh, some Cubans, some Russians. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I was on a tear. I was just, I didn't, I guess I didn't think I, I, I didn't think I was going to win, but it was like, okay, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to get everything I got. Mm. And before you know it, I'm in the finals and, um, and I'm on the only uh, foreigner in the finals. Okay. That's so, the thing that people don't realize is that back then, Back then, only one Russian could place, right? Or only one Soviet. Yes. How did they do that? Um. Well, the 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 foreigners. The you know what I I can't even explain because the check okay the Mongolian, the Mongolian landed up taking third into the Blissey tournament. Okay, I I beat him in the first round, and I saw him get beat by other Russians after me. But there could okay. only be one Russian. So those placer. Russians can't place. Okay. Right. Okay. So he moves up and he's like, uh, you know, whatever the highest placing foreigner on that, on my bracket or whatever. So he lands up taking a third. Hmm. Okay. So, but I don't know how this, the system worked back then. I don't know how they do it. Um, but. So you make the finals. What happens then? Um, I take them down right off the bat. And then I get a little, little over anxious and kind of cocky and get at, start, kind of started getting after him, you know. And I said, oh, maybe I can win this thing. Boom! He hits me with a, a two-point headlock, you know, because they had those grand aptitude throws. Okay, then I, I scramble out of it and I pop back up. I go after him again. Boom! He hits me with a three-point headlock, you know. And I'm like, oh, my, maybe I'm not going to win this thing. You know, I'm down five to one. And the period, the period runs out. And I, um, and I had Coach Peckman, okay? He was a great motivator. I mean, um, you know, I, he, he really helped me in, through that tournament. And I look at him, I go, Coach, I go, man, I, I did some dumb mistakes. He goes, don't worry, Joe. He goes, you're going to be fine. You got three minutes. You're going to come back. You're in shape. 
you know, look at that guy over there. Look like he's already getting tired. He's don't worry about it. Okay. Just relax. Okay. So I look at the clock and I go, okay, I got three minutes to come back, you know? So it's going to be like three minutes and I don't care after the match is over. If I drop dead, I don't care, you know? So before you know it, I just, I, three minutes, you know, we slap hands. Okay. Rep blows the whistle. And I just like, all I remember is having this tunnel vision. I was in the zone and I just started like picking them apart. Like someone turned on a switch and I went in a auto mode and just started my own, you know, the stuff that I drilled and practiced thousands and thousands and thousands of time just click like that. You know, it was instinctive. I didn't have to think about it. I would just like pressure and technique and pressure, technique, pressure, technique. And before you know it, I hit a high C here and then a single here and a high C here and a single blah, blah, blah. Before you know it, it's, um, it's tied up five to five with like 15 seconds go. And he's going to win because he, he had the first uh, three-point move on me. At least that's what the rules back then. And um, I don't know what happened, but in those 15 seconds, I don't even remember. I think he took a shot. He took a shot. I don't know what he's thinking. He didn't have to shoot on me. And, you know, back then the Soviets knew how to stall. They were great stallers. And um, – <laughs> He shot in on me, and I snapped him down, spun behind him, scored the takedown, won the match, and the buzzer goes off, and I'm like, I won. I, <laughs> I was cold. like, oh, thank you, God. You know, <laughs> you know, um, it was quite an experience. Uh, I never forget it, and I knew in that tournament, it, I, you know, like you talked about the, I, I talked about the science of the sport, but I knew back, and after that tournament, I knew what I was. It was a fight. Mm. I mean, I had. I had almost busted out my tooth. I had a black eye. I thought I broke my nose because those, the way they wrestle is very, very physical. Okay. Um, but they hit a single on you and you stuck in a little short whizzer and you don't want them to get the angle. They would take, pick up your leg and, and take it like run your leg almost to your head, you know, go against the joint and the wrist will not break it, Man. you know? And I was like, Oh, you know? Uh, and so, um, how many matches to get to the finals, do you think, if you had to guess? I want to say it was a three-determined. I want to say eight. Oh, my Lord. So eight of just the grittiest, toughest dudes you could wrestle in, uh, in Georgia, you know, at the Soviet Union at that time. And so you win the tournament. I mean, the feeling of victory is something that, you know, a, a victory like that is something very few people feel. Do you remember what you did that night afterwards? You know what? Uh, any vodka? Any bear cloaks? <laughs> nah. You know, believe me, there was nothing much to eat there that's any good. I remember. I re I, I do remember. We got back to Moscow, and we went to the U.S. Embassy. Okay, and there, I don't care. Those little those little pizzas that come in those packages that you, you microwave, I don't care. I must've had like 25 of them. They were like, they taste <laughs> like cardboard, but to me, they taste like, 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 you know, the best food I've ever eaten, you know? And I was tired of drinking mineral water, mineral vaza. They call it mineral vaza. Give me some plain water, you know? And I was eating ice cream and popcorn. I mean, uh, that was like my celebration banquet, you know? I wanna say Tbilisi did have a banquet, but I don't recall I don't recall like, you know, drinking that much or eating a whole lot. I remember trading a lot, you know, 
for those those Russian fur hats and you know um, some of those those dolls that uh, that go smaller and smaller and smaller. I think you call them Matrishna dolls. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. I remember trading a lot for those, you know. So, um, but the Soviet Union was pretty bleak at that time. So what you're saying? Yes, huh? yes, bleak. yes. You know, and you know when I when I did win the tournament, uh, they did boo me. You know, but they whistle. You know, the the whistling over there, at least at the time, is like booing, like boo. They would whistle, okay. Mm. And uh, so after I won, I was like this, and I oh thank you, dear yeah. You know, they're all whistling. Woo! You know, so yeah. So that's one of your one of your best memories. You said there's two that you have like two really great memories from wrestling. I mean, you have a million, but two great moments. And I'm guessing there's it's either going to be the 1980 NCAs or the time you beat Anatoly. What what comes next for you? Um, probably 1980. Well, I'd yeah. say both because well, I'll go with Anatoly because Anatoly had re- had retired a year before I wrestled him. Okay, so now he comes out of retirement, you know, um, he hasn't made 14s in a long time. And you know what, and to me, it was like, it's funny, because I, I was I was thinking, I wonder if he's going to ask me this question. And this is how I'm going to answer it. Okay, here we go. Okay, he's a has been and I'm a never was has been and we're <laughs> going at it. Okay. Stop okay? it. Okay. And I'm the never was has been and I beat him. Okay, so that victory was sort of like short-lived because I know I, he, he wasn't up to his potential. He was already spent a whole year off. You know, uh, his speed wasn't there. His strength wasn't there. You know, I was in the downslope of my, you know, my wrestling career, my athletic career. Same with me. But, um, you know, I pulled it off. I won. I could say, you know, I beat Anatoly. But I want to say... Yeah, the, the the other great experience was in 1980 winning the NCAA uh, title for Josie, for my family. My parents were there. It was on the West Coast. So all the West Coast people, you know, that knew me and, and followed me through my wrestling career in high school and in college were able to attend. Um, so that was a you know, great experience for me. And I remember, uh, I want to say it was my, I don't know if it was my, I don't think it was my semifinal match. It was maybe the quarterfinals. I won the match and one of the reporters uh, comes up to me and say, Joe, you know what? You just tied the, the, the NCAA record for the most wins with no losses and ties. I go, really? I go, what's that? And he said like 53 or, you know, I said, oh, that's great, but that's not my goal. I want to be a national champion. So then, you know, the semis I win and the finals I win. And so he says, well, now you're, you're the record holder. And now, and I know John, John, I think was, I was 55 that year, season. I want to say John was 53. And O, John Azevedo? Yes, he was 53 and O. So between the two of you guys had well over 100 matches without a loss. Was Jesse Reyes wrestling at that time or was he coaching? He was, no, he was, he was wrestling. He was a, I want to say he was a freshman. Okay. He was a freshman and um, yeah, he was a freshman, but he didn't make it to the, to the, to the D1 tournament. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so you're up in Corvallis, Oregon. You win the match against, was it Glenn from Iowa at the time? Yes. Dan Glenn. Dan yes. Glenn. So I know you guys had battled before that match. So, you know, you, you seem like, a guy who really takes 
the you obviously you have the the Japanese philosophy, you have the spiritual the spiritual approach, you have the science approach. So going into a match like that, someone like you, I'm really curious, what's your self-talk and what are you thinking to yourself 20 minutes out before a big match like that? Well, that that was that match that, that up to that match was nerve-wracking because as you know, um the finals are on Saturday and also all the Russell or the placings are on Saturday at the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So, so Friday night, I want to say it was the semifinals, which I won. And then I have all day Saturday to just think about this match and it's nerve wracking. Cause I'm the type of guy like, Hey, after semifinals, five minutes later, I'm, I'm ready to wrestle in the finals. I want to just get it over with. I don't mm-hmm. want to, just be dwelling all night about this match. And, and with Dan, um, we've had some barn burner matches and every match I wrestled against him, he would always get out to a very big lead, like eight, eight to one or nine to two. I mean, you know, just, just crush me the first period, first period and a half. And so I was really nervous. I was a nervous wreck. Um, you know, I had to piss every 10 seconds. I was so nervous. Wait, coach. Coach, see, I got to go to the restroom. What do you mean, Joe? You're going to wrestle right now. Wait, wait, wait. I got to go to the bathroom. You know, so I was nervous. So, um, you know, like any psychologist in, in, in sports tells you, there's always this, the, the mental preparation. You know, you make a mental picture way ahead of time, which I was doing all the, the night before in my head. You know, like this, you know, work out these certain scenarios, what would happen and what he has done to me, you know. And so when the match started, you know, um, I, I, I beat him. I, I beat him. I want to say I beat him. I didn't get in. I didn't, he didn't get a big lead on me. I got the first takedown. He always used to get the first three takedowns on me and it actually put me on my back all the time. I just wrestled real conservatively, considered, you know, my style of wrestling up to that point was take him down, let him go. Take him with him. I didn't want to take him down and let him go. If I mm-hmm. took him down. I kind of kept him down because, you know, he's a guy, you know, he was strong. He was, he was a lot lanker than me and, you know, um, he was in shape. Um, I don't want to get caught in these flurries. And then before you know it, he's ahead of me. So I wrestled very conservatively. Um, and, you know, I think I beat him like six to three, you know, um, and so um, everything just kind of clicked again, clicked for me, you know. Were you able to calm yourself before the match or did you go out there a nervous wreck? Oh, I was still a nervous wreck. I was still a nervous <laughs> wreck. I was, you know, they're, they're, they're introducing everybody, you know, the finalists. And so I'm like, oh, I know I was the first one up. So I'm, I'm like running up and down in the hallway, you know, because everyone, you know, the Russians, they just stand there stoic before their match in the corner and just look like they're conserving energy. And I'm just the opposite. You know, I'm the Mexican jumping bang, bang, going bing, 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 you know, all over the place, you know. So, um, so that's, you know, it, it just, it, I just can't wait to, you know, shake his hand and let's just get, get the fight on. Let's go. You know, get it over with. Now, I think you would probably agree with this, that you wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for some of your junior college coaches, Coach Bolander and Coach Oyana. Talk about the impact they, was it Oyana, Shiro? Oyana? Uh, actually, it was three of them. And, Talk about uh, Coach, the impact they had. Well, actually, they were the ones that amp- that showed me the scientific approach of wrestling. Like I like I said, I had a, a high school coach 
and I respected him for what he did, you know, and everything he taught me, but he never wrestled before. And he kind of, uh, you know, coach wrestling through a book. Yeah. But like I said, I had teammates that said, well, go to the junior college and they had an open room. So these guys kind of like took me under their wing. There was coach Bolander, coach Shepard. That's from Palatine, Illinois. Represent. Okay. We're, we're in Chicago right now. That's why I say that. <laughs> oh, okay. And, um, and Shiro Yama, these guys kind of took me under their wing and they're the ones that taught me the science of, re of wrestling. And, and, um, you know, I, they were the ones that had the big impact in my wrestling career, not only in wrestling, but, you know, uh, in, in, in education and going to college and, you know, being a good person and, you know, stuff like that, you know, they really influenced me, um, um, the way I, you know, what they, what they produced, you could say, you know, well, and the reason I'm, I I'm a product, I'm a product of them. No question. And the reason I brought it up was there's a lot of guys who listen to this show who are high school seniors who, you know, they didn't grow up with a big wrestling family. Maybe they didn't have the money to travel around and they, they never even placed at state, but they still want to wrestle in college. And there's someone in my mind I'm thinking of who I've been messaging about this, but your story is just so cool that you didn't even start to reach your peak until after your senior season of high school. It's just incredible to me. Um, yeah, like, like I said, maybe I was a late bloomer. I mean, who's to say my senior year when I received that head concussion, head concussion if, you know, I would have been in the state tournament, been a state champion. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, John, John, uh, as a veto, landed up winning the, you know, I was at the same weight class. He was, he landed up winning the, the state title that year, you know, um, and of course we never met. And, um, but you know what the funny thing is, um, I'm, I'm glad I went the way things happened because I went to East LA Junior College my freshman year in college. And I felt like I owed it to these three coaches that had such an influence in me in my life and my wrestling career. I owed it to them. And so as a freshman, I won the, I won the state JUCO tournament. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, Joe, it's time to move on. We've done everything we can. You got to go, you got to start learning, go up to, to the next level, you know, because we only took you, we can only take you so far. So that's, um, you know, that's when o Oklahoma was uh, after me. Um, there was a couple other schools, but, you know, ma mainly Oklahoma was my, that I was thinking of going to. And Cal State Bakersfield. Actually, Josie recruited me too. But I landed up going to Oklahoma because of the, you know, tradition at Oklahoma and, you know, you know, Oklahoma's uh, famous for wrestling. It's a wrestling state. You know, come on. I mean, you know, if you want to be a good wrestler, you go to one of those schools, either an Iowa school or an Oklahoma school, at least at least back then. And did UCLA still have wrestling? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. But they they didn't, uh, you know, at the time of C. That's where Schultz was. I don't, know if they, I, don't, I don't know if the Schultz were on the team at the time. Gotcha. They they might have been. I'm not really sure. Okay. I just think it's so cool that UCLA, you know, one of the great sports powerhouses of college across all sports, that they used to have wrestling and that that's where the Schultz started. And so since you're in LA, I figured, man, how did he not end up there? But maybe it was already shut down at that time. Um, no, it wasn't. It, it, it was, let's see, in 1980. I know in 79 they had it because I wrestled guys like um, – well, you know, they had Fred Bona was NCAA champion. They had Gary Bohe, okay, mm -hmm. that was uh, on the team. 
They had another guy way before me named Sergio Gonzalez who was on the 72 Olympic team, and he was runner-up in the NCAAs. Um, they had a, quite a few, you know, All-Americans. Um, and, the, and at the time when the Schultz were there, the, those guys had a good shot of winning the NCAA team title. Wow. But then they dropped the program all of a sudden. And so, you know, all these – Gary Bohe went to Arizona State. The Schultzes went to uh, Oklahoma, you know, and I don't know where all the other guys went. But they were – they he, he – that uh, – Dave Alba was the head coach. He, he had a team back then. There was a couple other good guys, California State champions that he had on that team that were potential to be national champions. Man. You know. Just crazy. It's sad, honestly. It's not crazy. It's sad to see the, the change in the college wrestling landscape in California over the years, um, especially you talk about Washington. I mean, think about the great Larry Owings and all those good Washington teams, and now there's not a D1 program in Washington. You know, it's, it, does, it does hurt the soul a little bit. Um, I wanted to wind down with this, Mr. Gonzalez. I wouldn't be doing the wrestling world justice if we didn't talk about 79, one of the greatest college matches of... <laughs> Never been. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. <laughs> Go ahead. Finish the question. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, no, no. I don't mind. I don't care. I mean, you watch it's that history. matchup. It's history. Man, you only had one one loss at Cal State Bakersfield over two years. Uh, you were like 98 and one. And you you lost to Gene Mills in the finals. And what is what is considered by many is the greatest NCAA finals match of all time. I mean, I'm not talking about to bring up bad memories. I just think it's one of the funnest matches to watch. I mean, and now, now I know you and Gene are good friends. So just talk about that a little bit and, and how that friendship's developed over the years. Well, the first time I, I, I never met Gene until I wrestled him in the East-West All-Star match at Oregon State. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so I landed up beating him, I want to say – 11, nine or 11, 10. Okay. So yeah, he, he, yeah, I beat him. And then, you know, a couple of months later, I meet him in the NCAA finals. And, um, yeah, I don't even know. I, I mean, that whole match was crazy. It was just crazy. It was going back. I mean, I, everyone talks about it. I, you know, to me, it's just like a blur, you know? Uh, in fact, I thought, like I said, I thought I was ahead, you know? Yeah. Cause it was going back and forth. And, you know, um, I made one mistake. Gene capitalized on it, scored the points, and won the match. You know, yeah. it is what it is. Um, the following year, believe me, I tell this Gene, I, Gene, I was gunning for you the next year. And his excuse is, oh, that was the Olympic year. So I redshirted so I could train for the Olympics, you know. And so, okay. So, um so in 1980, I, I, I make it to the finals again, and I, I win the NCAA title. Um, and then in 1981, um, Gene wins the NCAA title again. Okay, so we never, we never got to meet. And then after that, on the international, you know, the freestyle scene, he went, he, you know, he was at, at 25s and I was at 14s. So him and I were on a lot of, lot of like, um, how do you say it? Uh, teams that went, you know, overseas. Yeah. You know, a couple of tournaments in France. And I think um, we might have gone to a couple of, you know, to Cuba. But we were on a lot of teams together, you know, I want to say. And we used to hang out all the time, you know. Um, so, um, but, yeah, that match was, uh, 
everyone brings it up, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. Some people said Joe, Joe, because I think Bob Suddens was the ref. Yeah, he was. Which was Dan Gable's coach. And and some people said, hey, they, he, they said, I, I don't know exactly, because I don't even look at the match anymore. I haven't seen it. It's not that I don't want to. I just don't, you know. I don't, I don't watch it. Yeah. But some people do watch it. Said, Joe, he called a quick two that shouldn't even been a two. And that kind of changed the whole, uh, dictated the whole, after that dictated how the match went after that. So I don't know how true that is. I'm, I'm sure you saw the match. You know, um, I, I don't, I can't really say, you know, because I, I haven't seen the match in a long time. But they said he, he caught it. He called some points really fast that they shouldn't have been called. So I don't know if that is correct or not. Gotcha. At this point. But it doesn't matter. You know, it is what it is. You know, it wasn't meant to be, you know, that I uh, should have been a national turn, uh, champion that year. You know, Gene wanted. You know, it is what it is. Life goes on, you know. And did um, you – you went on to coach at Arizona State afterwards? Uh, yes. Yes. With Bobby Coach Douglas. Yes. So were you there in 88? Yes, I was. My Lord. One of my favorite stories in wrestling, uh, the year Arizona state won. I mean, what's your, and this can be our last question. What's your fondest memory of that team title? Oh, that's a, you know, it, it might, that's another, what do you call it? Uh, wrestling, wrestling moment. That's, uh, that's important to me too, because, you know, being the West, the first West coast team to win, you know, into a, a D one title. Um, and who knows if it ever happen again, hopefully Zeke Jones pulls it out, you know, does, does a job over there. Um, we all just came together. We were just a tight knit knit group of individuals. Um, you know, they, everybody, uh, that th those guys on that team, they played together, they partied together, they studied together, they practiced together, and um, and I think what helped us win the tournament, even though we didn't have a national champion, um, I call them the Russellbacks. You know, the consolation rounds. We just like started like, okay, you know, from Arizona State, decision here. From Arizona State, a decision here. You know, we just started racking up the points, and the next morning, you know, when um, they announced who's in the lead, you know, I, I, I didn't hear us like in the top three is like, I don't know who was, Iowa State was second, maybe Oklahoma State was third and they go in first place. And then I was like, oh man, we, we, we dropped. They said, Arizona State. I go, what? You know, we're like, what? And, and everyone's looking at each other. You know, I'm looking at, you know, all, all the wrestlers like we can win this thing. You know, we got to just buckle down and just win win these matches and sure enough you know everyone wrestled their butt off and um and the funny thing was back then i remember coach douglas he left for an international tournament so two weeks he left two weeks prior to the to the to the to the national tournament he says okay joe it's all on you know you coach him you know, and I had a great assistant coaches. I had Eddie Urbano, Tim Vanny, Fletcher Carr. You know, we had all these guys in the room. And so uh, 
So my practice, I really changed up the practice. You talk about the science, that's where I, I cut the practices down. They weren't like two hours, two and a half hours long. They're about an hour and a half long, but the intensity level was very high. And I think the, the longest resting period I gave the wrestlers was maybe two to three minutes and then boom, they're right back at it. Okay. So I didn't let them get down to their resting heart rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. They still had it elevated somewhat and then boom, they were right back at it. And then a lot of guys wanted to still keep on wrestling and go, no, get out of here, go home, go study, you know, get a meal in you. Cause I want them to have that itch, that desire to still wrestle more, you know? So I kind of like held back on the reins and said, get out of here. So I never went past an hour and a half in practice up to that, to the national tournament, you know? And, but the intensity level was intensified in that mm. practice where, you know, a two and two to two and a half hour practice. It's usually, you know, you take some breaks here, you talk, there was no talking. We were just constantly moving, drilling and wrestling and moving and just conditioning. And then get out of here, go home. Think about winning, you know, make a mental picture of being a national champion. So it, it just, it just worked out great. And then we had the, um, the reunion, uh, let's see, two years ago, where Arizona State University recognized all the wrestlers and the coaching staff, and we all got invited at Tempe, and it was it was a great. We had some good stories. It was great. It was fun. I See love all those it. guys again. Yeah, Mr. Gonzalez, that this has been an awesome conversation. I really thank you for your time, sir. Any last words before we head off here? No, I just want to say, uh, um, I want to say hi to everyone that you know. I used to. <laughs> wrestle against or you know re- all my wrestling brothers i just want to say hi you know and um keep the faith and we got to keep supporting these college wrestling programs especially in california because like i said in this in this on the west coast it's a dying sport and we we, we just gotta we gotta save our sport you know well said so- We'll get that message out there. I'll make that a, a small clip and we'll put it out on, on all of the social media platforms because I couldn't agree more. And again, just really appreciate your time. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks Take for care, everything. Sir. Take care. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life. Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com. Take care, y'all.